Thank you, praise team, as usual. Uh, they had no idea what God had laid on my heart to preach this morning, and the music that, that introduced me this morning in the message was, was absolutely perfect uh, this morning. Last week, we looked at an issue that seems to have drawn a bit of controversy in times past, and that was the, the, the issue of washing feet or foot washing. We looked at John chapter 13, and we saw that many have preconceived notions about this issue. We, we then looked at what Jesus himself said concerning this issue. And that's, listen, that, that's important, church. It, it doesn't matter, and I've, you've heard me say this time and time and time again. We, we have our opinions, but God could care less what our opinions are. We either stand on the Word of God or we stand on sinking sand. And Jesus addressed this issue and he said, if I wash your feet, you also ought to wash the feet of one another. Jesus said he was doing this as an example. And we learned that this example was an illustration that the apostles were to follow. We learned that Jesus was washing their feet because their feet were dirty. And it was the Jewish custom that was being displayed. A servant of the household or a household slave would, would come and wash the feet of guests as they arrived at their house. We also saw that Jesus was washing their feet because he knew what these men would endure to accomplish the gospel message to be, be spread in the near future. This morning, we're going to go into a different direction by looking at our identities. Our identities. Now, Think with me here for a second. We all have identities. If you look at my license, my driver's license, and I hope all of y'all have a driver's license, a valid driver's license, those of you who are 16 and above. If you look at my license, there's a picture in the bottom left-hand corner of a bald-headed man, and that's me. And I, I don't know what y'all do, but I, I, when I have to have my license, uh, my, my picture taken for my license, Listen, there's always a chance. I, I, I'm, I'm 50 years old, and I've been pulled over I don't know how many times. Now, I've slowed down. I don't, I don't unless I'm on 95. If you don't drive fast on 95, you're going to get run over. But I've slowed down. I don't, I don't need to drive around town. As a matter of fact, when people zip by me, I mean, they, they, you know, I'm, I'm like, slow down. Slow down. But I do something intentionally. I want to encourage you all to do this. When you, when you get your picture taken at the DMV for your license, for your identity, do, do this. Because most, most of y'all's license is like this. Eventually, somebody is going to pull you over. A police officer is going to pull you over. And they're gonna, the first thing they're going to identify with, the first thing they're going to see who, who this person is, the first contact they make, other than they ask you, do you know how fast you were going or whatever, is the picture they see. And when they see this right here, they're going to say, boy, I, you know, they're, they're just a wonderful person. They're happy. I intentionally do this. Y'all know what I do? I smile. I want them to know that I, you know, I'm, I'm a happy person. But, you know, they see this picture of a bald head man, and then you look over to the right, and I, my right, not your right, and it says, Anthony Kyle Waddell, senior, because I don't want them to identify me with my son, Kyle Jr., okay? <laughs> I, I want to be known as the, the senior. And then, it, then it, underneath it, it says, 205, 200, I know that's right, some of you are, golly, he was 200, 205 pounds, 5'11 and a half, but they won't put the half on there. I just, 5'11 
And, and then it says brown eyes and hair. Well, you know, my hair, when it does grow out, it is, it's, it's black, but they don't have bald as an option. But So that is a part of my identity. That, that's a part of my identity. That's who I am. We all have identities. All of us. Listen, we're all seeking to identify this morning, someplace, somewhere in this world. This morning, again, we're going to look at our identities. This past week has been unbelievable. I've been on the phone with, with several pastors and several friends of all races. And I've sat in my office in tears and I've cried because of what's taking place in our nation. It's absolutely breaking my heart. And I've asked pastors who were right now standing in their pulpits as I am this morning. And I've asked them, you know, what, what in the world? What, what are your thoughts? What, 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 are, what are you thinking? What, what are you going to preach to the people that God has, has put you in charge of you, in front of you this Sunday morning? What are you going to say to them? And the vast majority of, uh, of the pastors that I talked to early in the week, this is what they said. This is deep theology. Are you ready? I have no idea. I have no idea. And this, this is the reason why, because they were experiencing the same thing I was experiencing. That they were seeing hate in an in unparalleled way that they've never seen for, before and, and from all sides. And listen, all sides is, means every side, everywhere. It seems like everywhere around you, all you see is hate and division and confusion. And listen to me, church, God is not about any of that. So as a pastor, as a leader, a, 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 the person that God has, has brought here to stand before you who loves this church, who loves this congregation, who loves the people in this community, who loves the people of Savannah, who loves the people of, 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 of Georgia, who loves the people of the United States of America, because I am an American, I am deeply troubled by what I'm seeing. And as I'm sitting there, sitting in my office, God, give me direction that I can point my congregation to, to help them during this time. There's only one direction I can go. I can't, I, I can't listen, I do not have the privilege of going in this direction or this direction or this direction or that direction. I, as a child of God, can only go in one direction. And if you are a child of God, there is only one direction you can go. You know, people are seeking, have been my whole life, more than one way. Well, there's got to be more than one way to God. There's got to be more than one way to heaven. There's got to be more than one way. And Scripture says there's only one way, and that's Jesus well, I don't believe that. I, well, you're not disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with the Word of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me, the Lord Jesus Christ. That I am statement goes all the way back to the book of Exodus when Moses, excuse me, back in Genesis when Moses is standing before the burning bush. 
That's who I am. Jesus is the answer to the I am question. So this morning I'm asking you to look at who you really are. Look at your identity. Look at who you are identifying with. And please listen to me. I may say something at the beginning of my sermon that turns you off on the internet or in this congregation. Don't turn me off. Listen in whole. Listen to the full of what's being said. Because listen, I promise you, as I sat in my office this, this past week, I was distressed. Ask Amy. I, I've walked around. She's like, what is wrong with you? How many times have you said that to me this week? What is wrong with you? I, I, can't, I cannot compute so many different things that are taking place. And I've heard so many of y'all say the same things. What I'm about to preach didn't come for me. It couldn't have come for me. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis. Chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. The title of this morning's message is, Where Are You Seeking to Your Identity? Where are you seeking your identity? Or those of, who speak proper English, identity. Where are you seeking your identity? Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Adam knew his wife Eve intimately. And she conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, I have had a male child with the Lord's help. Then she also gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel became a shepherd of a flock, but Cain cultivated the land. In the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also presented an offering some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offerings, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious, and he was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you furious, and why are you downcast? If you do right, won't you be accepted? Won't you be accepted? But if you do not do right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you. But you must master it. Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother. Do y'all see that? Let that sink for a second. Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Let's pray. Father, we come to you asking forgiveness of our sins. We ask you to forgive us where we fail you. God, I, I, I need you this morning. We all need you. I pray that you would help us to be settled right now. Let there be no moving around. Help us to concentrate on you and your word. Help us to hear a word from you this morning that's going to help us and help others to be right with you. In Jesus' name I do pray and all God's children said, amen. To really understand the depth of where I'm going with this message this morning, we must first define the word identity. We've got, to, we've got to define what identity means. 
The word identity means the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. Listen to that again. The fact of being who or what a person or thing is. Now, we are each building our identities in this life, whether we see it or not. As we look at our scripture this morning, a question lingers that must be answered. Why did Cain kill Abel? Let, let, let's, let's stop here and remember. That's his brother. How, how many of y'all in this room and on the internet watching, how many of y'all have siblings? Raise your hand. You have a brother or a sister. Now, I can't see on the internet, but y'all, I see y'all raised, okay. Just about everybody raised their hand. Now, there's, there's been a time in every one of our lives, I, I have an older sister. Uh, Bill, as you have an older sister? She's really younger though, right? And there's always been a point in time in every one of our lives, my sister used to do things that aggravate, and she's listening right now. She would do things that aggravated me, and I'd do things that aggravated her, and we'd get to fighting, and these words would all, you know, it just flows off the tongue so easily. When they cross the line, I'm going to kill you. Now, my sister's still alive, so that means I didn't kill her. And I'm still alive, so that means she didn't kill me. But the thought still went through the mind. What we're seeing this morning is the thought process of Cain, I'm going to kill my brother. It went through his mind, but then it took root and then it took action. His brother. It wasn't somebody, you know, in the neighborhood who'd done him wrong. It, it, it was his brother. Cain killed his brother. Brother Kyle, you, you're, you're beating that horse. I want you to get it. Becky, he killed his brother. His brother. Th this morning, I, I want to go all, I'm, I went all the way back to the book of Genesis for a reason. The first book in the Old Testament. This book is considered to, to be a historical book by the Jews. They call this portion of scripture the Torah, the Pentateuch, or the law. Now, I could have used scripture this morning from just about any book in the Old Testament or the New Testament, but I used the book of Genesis, chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, to prove to you that what is happening in the world today has been happening since the world began. We're, we're, we're in shock and awe. Oh my gosh, this is happening. Tashada, this has been happening since the world began. Since the world began, what we're seeing is nothing new. As a matter of fact, it is the same tactic that Satan has used, and we are still not yet wised up to see where it's all coming from today. It's Satan. And listen, we as Christians, we have this conceptual knowledge, but intellectually it seems like it surpassed us. We need to understand something here this morning. Satan is our enemy. He's our enemy. He always has been and he always will be. So why did, kill, why did Cain kill his brother? 
How, how's this possible? How did he conceive? How did he make it right in his mind? We see the first reason in verse 3. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says this. It says, In the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. Some of you always say, well, hold on a second. I, I don't see that as a valid reason to kill his brother. Listen to me, church. There's not a valid reason for killing anybody. There's not. God said, let vengeance be who? His. There's things that have happened in my life, people who have done me wrong, social issues that have done me wrong, people who have done me wrong, organizations who have pointed at this church, church directly, and done me wrong. And you know what I've done? Do you know what I've done? Do you know what we've done? Nothing. What do you mean you've done nothing? Listen, vengeance is God's. It's not mine. And what God can do is much greater than anything I or this organization or this church can do. Listen, God sees every aspect. When we see something happening, when I see this plant, I see, oh, look, it, it's, it's, a, it's a fern-type plant. And, and it's green, and it looks real, and, and it's sitting in a, a polished brass square box. I, I see this for what it is. And listen, I might even walk up to it and touch it to see if it's real. Because if it's real, it means that it's been watered because it looks like it's, it's, it's a healthy plant. I see superficial parts of what's taking place here. God sees every aspect, every angle, every dot, every detail, every molecule of what's taking place. We just see what we can see. Or we just see what we want to see. God sees it all. So when we step back and say, listen, you know, what are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm giving it to God. What do you mean you're giving it to God? God can handle it way better than I can. God's vengeance is greater than mine. As a matter of fact, the book of Proverbs says, listen, if you heap your, your vengeance on a certain situation, it's going to quench the vengeance of God. Give it to God. Cain killed his brother because of a choice he made. He made the choice of giving the produce offering to God. Cain made that choice. Now understand with me here. At this point in time in our scripture, Abel was still alive as Cain chose to make an offering to the Lord from this produce, from the ground that he had cultivated. Warren Wiersbe, scholar and pastor, says this about Cain's choice. We all have many roles to play in life. As from time to time, we relate to various people and confront different circumstances. The important thing is, listen, the important thing is, is that we let God write the script. Choose the cast and direct the action. If we disregard God and try to produce the drama ourselves, the story will have a tragic ending. Seen a lot of drama this week, hadn't we? Too much drama. How much has God been in it? How much has God directed? He goes on to say, this is what happened to Cain. 
the first human baby born on the stage of planet earth. He ignored God's script. He did his own thing. And he made a mess of it. Do y'all see that now? Cain did his own thing. Cain did what he thought was right in his own eyes. Scripture says we'll do that. Man will rectify it with himself to make all things right. We can, we can say everything. We, we, can, we can make ourselves believe just about anything's right. Church, one choice. One choice can make all the difference in the world. Jason, he made one choice. And I'm sure it was good produce. Miss Desi, I, I, I believe that, that Cain brought his finest produce to give as an offering to the Lord. It, it might have been the biggest and the best and the ripest and the most beautiful. And he might have even sampled a, a piece of, of produce that was sitting right next to it, sharing that looked just like it, to, ta to taste it, to see if what he was giving to the Lord was good. But there's only pro one problem with it. It was wrong. It was the wrong thing to do. We then see the offering of Abel in verse 4. Our scripture tells us that Abel's offering was the firstborn of the flock and their fat portions. Now what we see here, church, is almost what God required the Hebrew children to do when they were sacrificing in the temple. Did y'all, some of y'all who, who study the Old Testament, did y'all see that? It was almost identical with what the Hebrew children offered in the temple. Now what Abel offered to God could be called the correct Levitical offering to God. Now where in the world did Abel learn this? Miss Desi, where did, where did Abel learn such a thing as this? The, the very same place that Cain learned it. You see, what Abel did, Cain knew to do. Well, hold on a second, brother. We're, we're in the fourth chapter of the book of Genesis. Where in the world could it have come from? Do you remember when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they sinned against God and they took of the forbidden fruit and they realized amongst themselves that they, had, that they were what? They were naked. They, were, they didn't bother them before then. But now that bothered them. What did God have to do to give them their coverings? He had to kill something. And in that moment, scholars say that God taught them the lesson of the blood offering. That, that what took place right then and right there was the correct thing to do to cover our sins. Now, church... Please understand that the offering Cain presented to the Lord was, was premeditated. What Cain was, going, was offering is what we often try to offer to the Lord. But what are you saying, Brother Kyle? You're, you're, you're saying that we identify with Cain? You don't have to. What I'm saying is this. What Cain offered to the Lord is what we as Christians oftentimes give offering to the Lord. We want to give God what we want to give him. Do you hear me? We want to give God what we want to give him. And that's it. God, I, I'm, I'm, listen, I know Scripture says I'm supposed to give to you, but I'm only willing to give what I want to give to you. 
fully knowing that this is just a portion of what he desires from us. Now, church, please remember that God told the Hebrew children that I do not want your sacrifices. I want your obedience. That's what God desires. He doesn't want our sacrifices. And please understand, I'm not talking about this kind of offering. I'm talking about being the offering, the total offering of God. What God has called us to do. What God has called us to be. Not just me, but all of us. We want to give to God just what we are comfortable giving or what we feel like giving to God. And nothing more and nothing less. And God could care less about our little offerings. He wants our obedience, which is our total offering. Now, we can clearly see where Cain came up with this idea to give this unworthy offering in verse 6 and part of verse 7. Look at, look at verse 6. And let me turn to it myself. Verse 6 says this. Then the Lord said to Cain, Cain, why are you furious? Are, and why are you downcast? If you do right, won't you be accepted? God is questioning Cain. Why? Why are you furious? Church, where do you think Cain came up with the idea to offer God an unworthy offering? Where do you think that Cain came up with this idea? What he was doing is shortchanging God. He was giving God what, what he was not giving God what was what he was required to give. This is the work of the enemy, Satan. Cain was identifying with Satan. When we disregard the written word of God, it will become easier and easier and easier to identify with Satan. When we disregard the word of God, it will become easier for us to identify with Satan. Now please understand here that, that you are either going to be obedient to God and follow him or you're going to fall prey to Satan. Did you hear that? You're either going to identify with God or you're going to fall prey to Satan. I want you to see something amazing uh, that shook me as I read it over and over again. Look at the second part of verse 7. It says, but... Every time you see the word but, B-U-T, in Scripture, you need to pay attention. I mean, because something good's coming. I mean, something good is coming. Listen, listen to what he says. But if you do not do right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Church, y'all go home and read that over and over again. That, that's powerful. It's powerful. Church, li listen. God is warning Cain before he goes any further in his sin. Do you see that, honey? Cain, Cain, God is warning Cain. He's warning him before he goes any further in his sin. He's warning him. God 
loves us so much that he warns us. He screams out to us. He beckons us. He calls us. He has people, preachers, stand before congregation and preach sermons like this, warning us, don't go any further. God knows what is taking place in the Cain's heart, in, the, in place of Cain's heart, and giving Cain a way out. What God is telling Cain in words of the day is this. Do what you know is right from what I've told you to do. Do what you know is right. Listen, wake up. Do what you know is right from what I've told you to do. If you choose to do wrong, sin is waiting at the door to consume you, to take you places you never thought you would go, to say things you never thought you would say, to do things you never thought you would do, and to keep you longer than you ever thought you would stay. People from all over the spectrum this past week have said things and done things and gone places they never thought they'd go. And I'm afraid that they're going to be kept longer than they'd ever thought they'd stay. How did all this start? Tina, how did all this start? Becky, how, how did it start? Tina, how did it start? David, Mr. Carey, Deborah, how, how did all this start? How did it start? It started with who Cain was seeking to identify. Who he was identifying with made a problem in his life. Church, God was not enough. And Satan strolled right in and showed him what he should be seeking. Cain had had been deceived by the very same one who deceived his parents. Church, if we're to stop here and to analyze our scripture well, we'll know that at this moment in time, we know for sure that there were four people alive, and of those four, only one had not been deceived. And that's Abel. Only one. All the others have been deceived. How easy can we be deceived? How easily we can be led astray, believing a lie from our enemy. Does that even sound right to you, Bill? I, I've heard my wife, who's a teacher, and y'all teachers who are in here, y'all can relate. Maggie, you can relate. I mean, any of y'all who've worked in, with, with students, Momo, you, you can relate to this, girl. You, you can relate to this. When somebody does something in a classroom and the teacher has to confront them about what's taking place, the student will start talking, and the teacher will do like this. Hold, hold on a second. You lying. I know you're lying. I, I know you're lying. Th through this, this internet classroom scenario that's taking place, uh, the students have to turn in certain things at certain times. And then 
the teacher grades them and posts the grade. Then the student comes and looks online to see what the grade is. And they, they, if they don't like the grade, Jeff, guess what they do? They, they send the teacher a text or a message and say, hold, hold on a second. Why'd you give me an F? Well, you did not turn in the work. Well, I did turn in the work. You're lying. You're lying. We lie to ourselves so often, so many times. We, we're, we're being led astray so easily. Church, how in the world can we relate to what we've seen take place here this morning? Now, I, listen, I, I, I build a tremendous stage. I'm getting ready to hit the crescendo. We're going, y'all just stay awake with me, stay with me, okay? Amen? I'm just about there. How does this relate to us today with what we see taking place? Who you are identifying with today? Who is it that you're identifying with today? What group, what organization, what club, what civic union? What do you, what do you share your like, who do you share your like-mindedness with? Who, who makes you feel bold and proud of who you are? What venue in your life makes you feel like you feel like you're growing, your, your growth and entitlement? Who is it? Who, who is it? What, where is it that you just can't get enough of or you can't wait to get to? You, you can't spend enough time there. Listen, that, that, that you, you just you pour money into maybe and it doesn't matter how much money you spent. Listen, that is who you are identifying with and that's where your true identity will come. That's it. Who you're, who you're identifying with. Who, who, whoever just gives you goosebumps. When you read something you write, you're just, whoa, that's right, that's right. Yes, you're right. Whoever that excites you, that is where you are building your identity. You see, you're excited about it. Now, for some of you, that ought to, you know, hold on a second. Ooh. It ought to give you goosebumps. Church, I want you to understand something here for a second. If I'm pushed into a corner, and I, I really have felt like I've been pushed in a corner this week, because I've watched the landscape of the country, and I've heard certain people say certain things with good hearts. Some with bad hearts. I've seen people try to, to diffuse situations, and I've seen people who seem to be fanning the flames. I, I've just sat back and watched. And if you, if you look at my social media feed, I, I, all I'm doing is Jesus. And listen, even that hasn't been enough because I've seen certain people, some people who've come at me and said, that's not enough. Jesus is not enough. And, and I've, I've sat back and I've just watched in silence. And some people have said, your silence is, is deafening. Your silence by saying nothing is deafening to me in my ears. Listen to me. What you're doing is you are pushing people into a corner. And you're pushing them further and further in a corner. And you are, you're, listen, you're, 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 putting yourself in a corner and don't realize you're putting your you're pushing people in a corner and you're you're uh, 
staying by yourself in a corner. You, you think you're with this large group of people, but you're not. You're, you're isolating yourself from the whole world, and you're pushing people in the corner. And listen, as I'm getting pushed further and further in the corner, and you're making me identify with somebody, listen, I promise you, every single time I'm going to identify with somebody, and that somebody is always going to be the same person, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus and Jesus alone. Brother how can you say that? Nobody has ever done for me what Jesus has done. Nobody ever can. He sees everything. He sees every element of everything that's taking place. And he's the one who's going to bring the most to the table. One of my dearest friends in ministry, Pastor Stephen Ruff, in Florida, said in his several months ago in a message that was entitled Race, Hate, and the Gospel, he said this, Mankind, left to its own devices, will always move towards hostility against one another. Mankind, left to his own devices, will always move towards hostility towards one another. This is part of our sinful human nature that stretches back to the Garden of Eden. To be truly pro-life means that we will advocate and respect every life God has created from the womb to the tomb. A pro-life stance that only considers the unborn falls short of the biblical pro-life position. Church, I'm sure that we can all agree with what Preacher Ruff said in his sermon. But how can we get there? How in the world can we get there? Miss Barbara, how can we get there? Where every life is important. Every life is important. We have to realize that we cannot fix society. Listen, I've, I've read the book. I've studied Daniel. I've studied the book of Revelation. Miss Teen, I'm sorry, it's going to get worse. According to Scripture, it's going to get worse. It's not going to get any better. I, Trey, listen, Trey, I can't fix society. I can't. I, I cannot. I cannot fix society. We cannot fix this world. The world that we live in is Satan's domain. I cannot fix political issues of any sort or any social issue. But I, listen, but, 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 I can fix me. Jason, brother, I love you. I can't fix you. I can fix me. I can fix me. And when I'm right, 
I, when I'm right where I'm supposed to be with God, my light is going to shine bright for the world to see. People will see a difference in me and want to know how and why I'm keeping it all together. And that's when I'm going to point them to my Jesus. Who you identify with is either going to bring you light or darkness. Who you are identifying with is either going to bring you light or darkness into your life. Now this may sound so simple and significant, but over time, God will do what only God can do. If you want to make a difference in this world, to fix this world, you must be obedient to God. He doesn't want your sacrifice. He wants your obedience. I've used this, this illustration many times, but it's, it's, it's needed this morning. There was a man walking down the beach. Some of y'all did this week because I can see the glow on you. And he's out there by himself, and as he looks across the distance, he sees this man bending down and, and throwing stuff in the ocean. And as he gets closer, he, he sees that the whole shoreline, Momo, is, is filled with, with, with uh, uh, starfish. I, I wanted to say sand dollars, but starfish. And the starfish are, are just moving, but they're, they're caught on the beach. The, the currents pushed them in to Shonda. They're laying on the beach. And this one man, this one man, I mean, listen, Sharon, he's doing it. He's picking them up, James. He's picking one up at a time and throwing them back in the ocean one at a time. And this man who's watching all this walks up to him and says, man, what are you doing? He said, the whole shoreline is full of star, starfish, and, and they're, they're, most of them are going to die. He said, do you really think you're making a difference? And he picked up another one, and he tossed it in the ocean. He said, I just made a difference for that one I listen it breaks my heart to see what's taking place in this world in America in Georgia in Savannah listen even in the farms it breaks my heart it breaks my heart even more Miss Virginia to know that from from a social perspective from a pastoral perspective there's nothing that I can do there's nothing I can say because people listen they're not going to listen to me can't fix them but I can fix me I can fix me church do you do you really want to make a difference in this world I mean a real difference listen to something that that my youth pastor professor once said in class and let it sink in for a little while you ready you ready listen are y'all ready? I'm just about done. Jesus did not come to this earth to take sides. He came to take over. Jesus didn't come to pick sides, to take sides, to say, well, I'm on this side or I'm on that side. I'm on, I'm on this side. I'm on the Hebrew side. I'm on the white side, the black side, the yellow side, the red side. Jesus didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. Jesus did not come to this earth for one side or one people. He came for all. What that means is if you're seeking your identity in anything other than Jesus Christ, you're going to fall prey to sin, this waiting at the door, knocking for you. But as we heard God tell Cain at the end of verse 7 this morning, but you must not let it master. You've got to master it. 
That means that we have, listen, we, we can master this. We can see it coming. Well, how in the world can we see it coming? Stay in the Word of God. Stay close to God. Church, your identity is built from a foundation of who you choose to identify with, who you continue to identify with, and how you project your identity to others. No part of my identity points me to Jesus Christ, but every part of Jesus Christ points to who I identify with. Church, I've seen so much vile and nasty hatred this past week. I've watched and prayed. I've covered my eyes from disbelief and shock. I've seen Christians being blasted for saying what I'm about to say. The world needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. I cannot fix all the world's issues. History tells us that sinful issues have always been. All the way back to Adam. I can fix me. And I can implore each of you to fix you by being obedient to the wishes of Jesus. Where do we start? Where do we start? Where do we start? With the greatest commandment. Love God. Love one another. Will you fix you? Will you fix you? I can't fix you. It all starts by coming to Jesus. Let's all stand, heads bowed and eyes closed. This morning, I'm going to give you an invitation, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to come down here and kneel before the Lord and do what we ought, ought to be doing all the time anyway. And that's giving your life to God and saying, listen, Lord, I, I want to be obedient to you. I want to be totally obedient to you. The first step of doing that is accepting his son as your personal savior. This morning as the music plays, if you want to come down and spend some time at the altar, please come. Come fix you. That your light will be shining bright for all the world to see. That difference that only Jesus can make. Will you come? Lord Jesus, we pray that you would be with us right now. Be with this time of offering and of this time of invitation. We pray that you would do what only you can do, God. That you would steal our hearts and help us to concentrate on you. That we don't make the mistake that Cain made. Help us, Lord, right now to focus on you. In Jesus' name I do pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you need to come spend some time with God? Will you?